What is up, Creature Lifers? We are so glad you're here. Welcome to the Food Rules episode. Woo, Food Rules! Megan is super keen on the idea that food rules, as she should be. Food is great. It totally rules. But this extended intro joke is uh, a setup because rather than talking about how food rules, we want to talk about food rules as a noun, as in rules you make surrounding food. Tricked ya. Yeah. <laughs> A really dynamic intro yet again from Blake and Megan here. Why don't we get this show on the road before this gets any worse? Yeah, if you're still listening, we really appreciate it. Um, But yeah, so we wanted to first start off by talking about our own experiences with making rules around food and some of the consequences of that. So Blake, why don't you start us off talking about your own experience? Yeah, I think rules surrounding food... um, it's something that a lot of us are familiar with, and I think we probably, many of us probably started this around the same time. I know for me, it was probably late high school, early college. I, I think growing up, I was never thinking like, oh, you know, I've had one too many muffins. But I mean, for me, um, if you're a longtime listener of the show, you, you know most of my kind of unhealthy patterns around food come from pursuing competitive athletics and wanting to be a professional baseball player and going after that really hard. And part of that was treating my body as a machine and therefore treating food as fuel. And so that sort of pursuit brought with it kind of inevitable rules. If when I was treating my body as a machine, when I was looking at food as only a bundle of calories and nutrients and that sort of thing, I really did not make much room for dessert. And I think when I, when I think about some of my rules, a big one was no dessert unless I had like exercised particularly hard that day. Other things that come to mind, like maybe, maybe, maybe I could get a burger, but like the healthiest burger, one without cheese, but never fries with it. So always substitute steamed veggies, that kind of thing. And, 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 but so those are some really specific things that come to mind, but so many of of my rules were were centered around that. Yeah, so a lot of your rules are kind of about what you're eating and um, all geared towards food being all about nutrition and how you can control that. Totally. I mean, TVT, we've talked about this a few times on the podcast, I think, to one of our famous early conversations as a dating couple and me just being like, why would anyone eat dessert? Like just such empty calories, like just not getting anything from that. And, and, and right, like that comes from this mindset of, you know, I only want to eat things that kind of like serve the machine that is my body and sugar and whatever that is in dessert doesn't do that. So why would I eat it? Yeah. Do you feel like there were any effects of having those food rules in your experience of food or yeah, just your experience of your body? Yeah. I mean, I think um, in, in, in some ways I'm, I'm a pretty disciplined guy. So I, I would definitely, there were a lot of times where I would crave desserts and, and fries and that sort of thing. And so I made myself, um, I had to be disciplined. Like I could not, uh, shout out Princeton dining hall, could not go near the dessert section because I knew if I did, the craving would be so strong that I would have a hard time not doing it. And so I think like, to be honest, like I, I don't want to be over dramatic here. I, I don't think this like destroyed me for the most part. Like I said, I'm pretty disciplined. I was able to do that. I think what it did do rather than this kind of like mass destruction or anything was just took so much joy out of eating. Um, you know, Never looking at the dessert menu at a restaurant, never getting dessert in the dining hall or, um, you know, if if friends want to go out for ice cream, like, oh, can we get like Froyo with, with lower calories, that kind of thing. And, and the sum total of all that stuff for me when I think about it, yeah, is just a lack of joy. 
a lack of kind of the vibrancy and good gifts um, that food can be. I just wasn't experiencing any of that. And instead, all of my meals were just kind of reduced to the calories that they were and, and how they could fuel my body. And so, yeah, I, I think when I think about how I eat now, um, more on this later, but with, with how those rules are out of the way now and I try to eat intuitively, man, I have so much joy eating. And, and Megan, of course, you see this every day. Um, but it's so fun for me to reflect on, on the changes I've had and, and how much joy I have eating now as I, as I've moved away from those rules. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. I think, I think that's really helpful. And, and before moving on, I do want to say something about discipline because I, I think we use that word often around food and can have a sense that the way we eat is all driven by how much willpower or control or discipline we have. And so Blake, I kind of want to caution our listeners here, um, to, to remember there's so many things that factor into mm. how much we're eating. Like even as you were talking about how creating the rule really increase cravings for dessert mm-hmm. and I think sometimes the more rules we have or the more rigid we are in them we think it's just an issue of discipline when we desire the things that we've prohibited but actually I think biologically and and psychologically when we restrict or when we say I can never have something you want it more and so I think it's not all about a discipline issue or even just thinking like I was talking to a friend the other day about how certain people I think are wired more to really enjoy like food and and the way it tastes and the different textures. And so biologically, it might be harder for someone who's wired in that way um, to have discipline or even just lastly, just thinking about all the societal messages and around food. There is like there's just so many things involved and there's so much complexity that I just want to make sure our listeners don't think that how they're eating is all a matter of self-discipline. Yeah, I, I think that's such a helpful category. And and I mean, even as you say that, I remember, you know, one, my discipline didn't actually take me that far. And, and I think, um, yeah, it, it's helpful to remember that that was fueled by me having this super concrete goal. I want to be a professional baseball player and, and, and that there are so many factors in, in eating and, and that sort of thing. And, and yeah, I'm, I'm glad you bring that up because um, I, I, I do think, Right. We get it so wrong when we look at someone who eats differently than us and say, oh, if only they had more discipline, if only they were more committed, they wouldn't be in this position. And and I appreciate you bringing in biological and and psychological matters. Yeah, I just want to make sure that no one ever thinks that our eating is solely a matter of discipline, because I think that notion has caused a lot of harm or or even if you I think people often make judgments on people with bigger bodies and say, oh, they're just too lazy or don't have enough discipline without taking any account of the shame they might carry or the biologically having different metabolisms or all these different things. We we equate our weight and how we eat solely to discipline. And I think that's just a lie um, and really uh, is a reduced and distorted version of the truth, which is it's much more complex than that. Yeah, no, it's such a helpful reminder. Even now I'm sitting here thinking like it's a helpful check on my pride. But, oh, I'm just so disciplined. Like whatever. Uh, not, not accurate, but enough about that. Megan, let's talk about your food rules. Yeah. So I think for me, I had a lot more food rules than Blake. It was rules on what I could eat. So saying things like, yeah, I can't eat dessert or I shouldn't eat carbs or things like that, but also so many other rules, like rules on when I would eat saying, oh, if I can't eat late at night because 
I don't even know where I got the idea, but it's just bad to eat late at night. Everyone knows that. Yeah. um, So rules around time or rules around amounts of food. It has to be like a certain amount of calories in a day. Like I must go under that or never go over that. Um, Probably like, yeah, it's just so many. I honestly can't even remember all the rules I had because I have a feeling it got to being like so many, but just probably subtle things that... I picked up here and there um, or new rules I would create for myself. And for me, there were really intense consequences. Mm -hmm. It was both taking away the joy of eating. Eating became a really stressful activity because I had to follow 20 different rules every meal I was eating um, and just, yeah, making sure I was eating in the best sort of way according to my rules. Um, But I think also... I think every time I broke a rule, I would feel this sense of shame, not just I broke the rule, but now I'm bad or now I don't have enough discipline or whatever it might be, just feeling um, like I had done something terrible and then therefore I'm terrible. Right. I I think that's such an easy transition to make. And I mean, we keep harping on the discipline thing, but that's such a good point of like, oh, other people around me are more disciplined, therefore they're better than me. And and right, we we can get in this really negative spiral of of self-criticism. Right. I think with the idea of food rules, it's, it's not just a guideline or, or principle. The idea of a rule is you break it or you don't. And, and a rule is, feels like something set in stone, something that's supposed to be eternal. And so as soon as I broke one of the many rules I set for myself, I would feel so bad. And I think then I would create even more rules. I would say, I need to compensate for this in some way. And I think over time, the amount of roles I had built up and built up. And I think in all of this, it made me really preoccupied because it took so much effort to figure out how I could follow my rules. Or when I would break them, I would just ruminate on how I did something so terrible and then spend a lot more time and effort thinking, okay, well, what are the rules starting tomorrow sort (laughs) of thing? So yeah, preoccupation, shame, misery, and eating, all these things I think were major effects of coming up with rules. Yeah. And I mean, another thing I know I've heard you talk about a lot over the years is that, you know, like you said, you break a rule. Okay. Now I got to put three more rules in and you're trying to get this control of your eating and this control of your life. And yet as you add more and more rules, you're just finding yourself more and more out of control. Like you can't find the one thing you're looking for. Yeah, I found this deep irony and the more I sought control over my food, the more I felt out of control because I think I, I started setting higher and higher expectations for what control should look like. And so it felt so unattainable because as soon as I would break it, I'd feel totally out of control, then create even more severe guidelines yeah. or restrictions. And then it was just this unending cycle that got worse and worse and yeah i mean this is something we see all around us uh you know i feel like not promoting eavesdropping too much here but you know it's, it's hard not to hear this in restaurants and, and dining halls for those of you who are students i mean um, in the workplace megan i think about your famous nacho example from this summer why don't you share that yeah <laughs> i i keep a notebook of things i overhear um yeah, I probably shouldn't eavesdrop all the time, but people are constantly <laughs> talking about food and their bodies in really unhelpful ways. And so this summer, I at my workplace, there was an, a Nacho Appreciation Week, which I just thought was so fun because who doesn't love nachos? Was this like a national, international thing? Or like no, this in the was workplace? just like in the workplace. Great, Let's celebrate us with nachos. I thought it was really cool. Other people had more of an issue with it. Wait, one more clarifier before we get into the crux of the story. Was it 
and appreciate we appreciate you so we're going to celebrate that with nachos or we appreciate nachos <laughs> extremely good clarification it was appreciating the workers with nachos. <laughs> I definitely thought the opposite. I actually didn't. But I really wish it was appreciating nachos. Fair enough. Um, because I think nachos should really be appreciated. They're so good. Anyone else here love nachos? Cheese, chips? How nachos can you beat are that? an elite level snack. Anyway, to, to the story. <laughs> we should have our own nacho appreciation week. But yes, to the story. <laughs> So basically, each day I would hear several comments about how, where I could hear people talking about um, their relationship to food in the body. And so there was this one day where I had just overheard a conversation where someone was saying she doesn't like to eat notch or any sort of snack sort of thing in the morning. And she said, I'm good in the morning. I like to be good in the morning, but maybe in the afternoon sort of thing. And just this notion of, yeah, that's a rule. Like I, I don't eat snacks or anything I consider unhealthy in the morning. Then it was funny because minutes later, this super kind employee that I barely know came up to me and I was eating my nachos. Um, and this was like maybe 1030 in the morning. And this super sweet woman looks at me and she goes, nachos at this hour? And I think, well, first of all, had I not tried to cultivate a healthy relationship with food over the past few years, a comment like that would have been so hurtful and so devastating. Um, But I think it just goes to show that when you create these sorts of rules around food, like I can't eat unhealthy in the morning or something like that, creating rules creates judgment for who keeps the rules and who breaks them. Not only judgment towards yourself and how you're keeping up with the rules, but judgment towards others. This lady, as I said, super kind woman, but felt compelled to judge me for eating nachos. Yeah. During nacho appreciation. We like barely knew each other, but that was important enough for her to communicate. And I think it just goes to show the way that these food rules create like a a sense of um it's not it becomes not even just about the food it becomes about us um and and ways we evaluate ourselves yeah that's such a good way to put it i mean something that comes to mind right now is like food criticism seems to be one of like the last like socially acceptable ways you can just outwardly judge people and, and criticize people with no hesitation of, I mean, th- th- right. There's so much criticism and judgment in that nachos at this hour. I mean, you, you wouldn't do that with so many other things, but, but right. I mean, these rules, and of course we turn the same thing on ourselves all the time. I mean, that's the shame you talk about shame that I would feel when I would break my dessert rules of, Oh, my body has to be, has to be a machine. And, and yeah, I mean, I think what we're getting at is, is these rules do not produce the sort of like joy and peace that we hope that they will they they produce this this judgment and and, and criticism and discontent and and shame and that kind of thing yeah and i think the fact that you know so often people take their own rules and impose them on others signifies why having rules can be so dangerous because they seem like universal mandates sort of thing even though you've contrived them for yourselves they become so Hmm. important and so significant that you even think the random intern shouldn't be eating nachos in the morning. Um, During nacho appreciation. During the week of appreciating nachos. (laughs) Crazy, right? Um, But no, I think it just goes to show. And I found that in my own self, the more I became um, obsessive about food rules, the more I noticed were other people abiding by them or not. 
Um, so yeah, we want to we want to really think about what are some of the consequences of consequences of rules, but also what do these food rules communicate? Right, and and I think it's not it's not too hard to put it together. I mean, I think what these rules communicate is that certain foods are dangerous or bad. Um, I think closely behind that is that we are are bad if we're not able to keep these rules. Um, I mean, I got the ball. I got the ball rolling here, Megan. What, what do you got? Add to that. <laughs> Blake has no more thoughts. I'm, I'm dying. I'm out of content. <laughs> I think these rules often communicate a huge distrust for our bodies. There's no sense of "Am I hungry?" Um, yeah, what does my body want sort of thing. I think the whole point of these rules is saying we can't trust our bodies. We can't trust our body's desires, our body's signals, and therefore we need to create so many parameters so that our bodies, instead of listening to our bodies, we control our bodies and say what can go in and when. I think like about that notion of like I can't eat snacks in the morning. I only can eat them in the afternoon or my own rule of I can't eat at night. There's no sense of, well, am I hungry at night or am I hungry in the morning? Or does my is my body like wanting something fun and yummy to eat? It's all let me control um when I should eat and when and how much with with no paying no attention to the body because I think the whole point is to not listen to your body because you think your body can't be trusted. That and I'm glad you jumped in there because I think that <laughs> that distrust of the body uh, shines through so much here. And I think the more we do that, the, the further away we're getting from how God intended us to be. I mean, something we talked about a lot on this podcast is, you know, God created our bodies uh, something good is something that God loves is something that we should love. Um, and I certainly am not trying to produce a different kind of shame of like, Oh, you should feel bad if you're not doing this more, more so just offering an invitation to trust your body, to, to delight in the body that God created you with and, and to start living into that. And, and so our final portion of the show here, we, we want to, you're, you're not exempt dear creature life listener. What does this look like for you? When, when we talk about food rules, what comes to mind for you? Do, do you have certain rules you try to live by? And, and what are the effects of that? What does that produce? Yeah, I would encourage you to just notice what sorts of rules you might have. And I think for me, I realize sometimes they're so subtle. I don't even realize I've created um, certain rules that I'm living by because it's not like I, I set out and did a whole list sort of thing. And so just being really aware of how you're choosing what you eat and when and how that's affecting the way you feel emotionally and physically and psychologically. Um, But what I also wanted to say here is I think it, you know, as we are trying to encourage you guys to not live by food rules, that can sound really scary. It can sound like, well, yeah, it just sounds really terrifying and chaotic to possibly to not have these food rules. But I think what we want to communicate is, I think what there still is, is there's still like a, a goal or a vision of our eating. Just in the same way a lot of these food rules are oriented around not trusting the body, losing weight, being elevating perfect physical health over every sort of other type of health, um, whether that's emotional or psychological, and... Um, those sorts of things, there's a goal that those rules are working towards. And what we have hoped to communicate in our podcast is that there's still a purpose of eating. 
Um, it's just a different vision than losing weight or, or exercising a ton of control over food. Our purpose in eating, we think, is eating as this wonderful gift given by God, both necessary for life, but also a potential source of delight and communion with others and communion with the world. Right. What would it, what would it look like if we ate in a way that you know showed a trust and honoring of, of our bodies and the bodies around us that, you know, sought joy again for for us and those who are at the table with us rather than the kind of judge judge judgment filled criticism of like nachos at ten thirty. i mean we joke about that it's funny um in a way but i mean so many of us eat in this sort of way where where we're policing ourselves and others and, and joy and trust are so far away from the table and instead we've brought the shame and and disappointment and and that sort of thing and we think god has a better way forward yeah, and so I think having a, a different goal of eating still leads to ways perhaps that we can structure our eating. I want to be careful and say I think maybe a better way of thinking about it could be guiding principles or, or yeah, things that, I don't know, I, I guess I, what I'm trying to say is there's still ways that to be led in our eating, and I'll give a couple examples in a minute, um, but to maybe not think about it as rules just because I think rules can sometimes communicate this. They can't be broken. They're universal mandates for how I should eat every single meal. And as soon as I break them, I feel bad. But an example of a guiding principle, if you're trying to eat with joy or receive food as a gift is maybe to listen to your body, to see when, when am I hungry? To notice when you get full and say, but I want to honor my body by not getting to the point of, discomfort in my body or or to um take a minute and just eat slowly to really appreciate what you're eating those sorts of things I think that can still give some sort of structure around eating so it's not just like you eat whatever whenever sort of thing there's still a sort of structure but it's oriented towards a different goal right I I think that's so helpful it's such a good reminder of I, I think we can fear oh my gosh, if I get rid of rules, restrictions, guidelines, like I'm screwed. I'm going to order 10 pizzas and, you know, whatever and, and eat, um, you know, nonstop ice cream. And I think, I think I definitely understand where that fear comes from. But Megan, I love this idea of guiding principles. I mean, for me, I, I always think about eating with joy. If I'm eating with joy as a guiding principle, I'm not going to, you know, binge on what, like, certain sorts of food, I'm going to recognize this isn't joyful. I'm trying to hide my problems. I'm I'm, I'm trying to bury something else through this. And so these guiding principles do not mean like all of a sudden you're going to eat in some crazy manner. I I, I think instead it's this opportunity to eat in a healthier way and in a way that's more in line with how you're created to eat. Yeah, and I also want to give two um, sorts of cautions here. I think... If you're someone who's eaten really restrictively or really rigidly around food rules for a long time, the transition to intuitive eating can be a little bit tough at first. And I just want to name that so you're aware. So I think about my own story and like when I first started eating intuitively, because I was giving myself finally the freedom to eat all these things I hadn't eaten before. In the beginning, maybe like the first few weeks, I did find myself eating a lot more perhaps than I um, would be comfortable with, than my body was comfortable with because I think 
you know, when you create rules, it creates this idea that like you can't have those things. And so as soon as you get them and as soon as even though I was allowing myself now, I found I would eat a lot of it. But eventually your body truly starts to learn and your mind starts to learn that I I have the freedom to eat this. And so now when I eat dessert, for instance, I can more easily stop when I've reached the point where it's like I, I've had enough because I know I can have it tomorrow or in a few hours later if I truly want it. It's not this sense of urgency um, that I'll never have it again. And so I just want to say that the transition in the beginning, perhaps you might find yourself eating a little bit more, but eventually I think you learn what your body wants and you learn how to listen. And then the other thing I just wanted to say is I think some people, if they've been living or eating based upon rules for so long, it can be hard to know how to listen to your body intuitively. You might not be aware of what hunger and fullness even feel like. And so I think in these instances, um, it could it could be better to have a little bit more structure in the beginning. You might say, before getting seconds, let me wait 30 minutes or... Um, maybe I need to eat like a small meal every three hours if you're used to like waiting like really really long periods before eating just because you might not be able to sense at all your hunger and fullness and so you may need more structure but if you feel like this is like something really severe I recommend doing this like with a therapist or uh yeah psychologist who can walk you through what that looks like and y'all can do it together but just remembering that even in this structure the point of the structure isn't to create new rules it's to learn how to listen to your body intuitively so that you can eat with greater freedom and joy yeah guys so as we send you out and close this episode we invite you to really think about what it could look like to eat with the goal and, and the guideline of receiving food as a gift of eating with freedom and joy and um yeah, we invite you to to walk into this with, with joy as you learn to love your body better and, and hopefully love God more too. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next time.